lecture series in general chemistry. It is good that you are listening. Good afternoon, students. It is so good to have you for another lecture in general chemistry. So, as I said earlier, this is a supplemental lecture, supplemental to what we will discuss in person, in class lecture. We will be already discuss these things, so let's go on. So, now, after we've done our review, we've done the review, you've practiced the questions, I will give you some more practice questions in, I assume, in the lecture, upcoming lecture today. However, we're going to start to discuss wave-particle duality. So this is just the overview before we progress towards this topic. The Broglie's equation, lambda equals h over mv, where m is mass, V is velocity, and H is Planck's constant. So H is Planck's constant, M is mass, V is velocity, and lambda is the wavelength. De Broglie's work, Louis de Broglie's work is applicable to all matter. All matter of mass M with velocity V would give rise to characteristic wave-like properties. Hence, we have wave-particle duality. De Broglie published his theory, and within a few years, the wave properties of the electron were demonstrated experimentally through the observation of diffraction of electrons within a crystal. Look up the Davis-Grimmer experiment. 
So just a quick recap as we progress towards this topic. So there are four types of reactions I want you to keep in mind. There are other types, other subtypes, but I want you to keep these four in mind. You have addition reactions in which you have A and B coming together to form a bond between A and B. A classic example of that is with a sodium cation and a chloride anion coming together to form sodium chloride. You also have decomposition reactions in which A bonded to B decomposes to form A plus B. That, decompo de that decomposition reaction, a classic example of that would be the electrolysis of water. So the, the electrolysis of water is a classic example of a decomposition reaction. Then you also have a single displacement reaction, which you have a A bonded to B plus C turns to A bonded to C plus B. A classic example of that would be an SN2 reaction or a substitution reaction that's bimolecular. A fourth, a classic example of a double displacement reaction in which you have A bonded to B plus C bonded to D turning to A bonded to D and C bonded to B. So that's a double displacement because two things are being displaced. A classic example of that is a precipitation reaction. So we said, discussed that already. Classic example of addition reactions is formation of an ionic compound, decomposition, electrolysis of water, single displacement reaction, an SN2 reaction, and a double displacement reaction, a precipitation reaction. So what we're going to talk about today, so the objectives for today. An overview of chapter six, we will discuss the wave nature of light. We will learn that light, radiant energy, or electromagnetic radiation has wave-like properties, and so is characterized by wavelength, frequency, and speed. Point two. For quantized energy and photons, we recognize that many different types of experiments indicate that electromagnetic radiation also has particle-like properties and can be described in terms of photons, particles of light. So photons are another way you could put that as particles of light. So 6.3, line spectrum, the Bohr model. We will explore the fact that atoms give off characteristic colors of light, line spectra, when appropriately stimulated. Line spectra provide clues about how electrons are arranged in atoms. Experiments show that electrons exist only at certain energy levels around the nucleus, and that energy is involved in moving an electron from one level to another. The Bohr model of the atom pictures the atom as a miniature solar system, with the nucleus of an atom as the sun, about which electrons like planets orbit. 6.4, the wave behavior of matter. We recognize that matter also has wave-like properties that are manifested at the atomic scale. Because of the fundamental particle wave duality of matter, it is impossible to determine simultaneously the exact position and the exact motion of an electron in an atom. And this is tied to or based in the Heisenberg uncertainty principle. 6.5, quantum mechanics and atomic orbitals. So these are the topics we will progress to later on, but the main one, so quantum mechanics and atomic orbitals, representations of orbitals, multi-electrons, many electrons and atoms, um, electron configurations and electron configurations and, and the periodic table. All of those things we will discuss later on, but the main thing is we want to start discussing the wave particle duality of matter. 
So let's start talking about electromagnetic waves. Characteristics of electromagnetic waves. Radiant energy has wave characteristics. It consists of electromagnetic waves. Notice that the shorter the wavelength, lambda, the higher the frequency, nu. The wavelength in in the example, it depend, the wavelength in examples seen in the next slide, those wavelengths show that there is very, the wavelengths are given description and they show you uh, the length of one, the length from one crest to the end and includes the length of the trough. Well, the wavelength basically is the time taken or the length for one cycle of a disturbance. So let's talk about wavelengths in terms of the electromagnetic spectrum. For the electromagnetic spectrum, the electromagnetic spectrum ranges from high frequency radiation to gamma rays to X rays, ultraviolet rays, visible light in which we see colors, um, Roy G. Biv, red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, violet, um, infrared radiation, microwave radiation, and radio frequency. Now, for those types of radiation, um, the length, the wavelengths, or the common common wavelength units for electromagnetic radiation. For example, X-rays is 10 to the minus 10. We measure that in angstroms. For microwaves, we measure those in millimeters. For radio waves, we measure those in kilometers. The wavelengths are very long, very high magnitude. So although the wave model is a description of light, and we typically think of light as a wave, several phenomena need to be explained. The emission of light from hot objects, black body radiation, the emission of electrons from metal surfaces, the photoelectric effect, and the emission of light from electronically excited gas atoms, emission spectra. And these are caveats with the wave model of light. However, as we progress, we understand Planck. Um, Planck had a theory. Planck was a scientist. Max Planck. His theory of matter was that matter is always allowed to emit and absorb energy only in whole number multiples of H nu, or Planck's constant multiplied by the frequency. And that um, equation is that, that constant, that value, at quanta, that is equal to the energy of the disturbance, such as HV, 2H nu, 2H nu, 3H nu, and so forth. If the quantity of energy emitted by an atom is 3H nu, for example, we say that three quanta of energy have been emitted. So he basically explained and supported the idea that energy or light, for example, in this particular instance, is quantized. So I will give you some questions to practice. This is a good period, a good point in this lecture to pause the lecture and to practice questions on Planck's equation, which I will provide for you. So let's talk about the photoelectric effect. These are all key ideas that lead us towards understanding wave-particle duality. The photoelectric effect. When photons of sufficiently high energy strike a metal surface, electrons are emitted from the metal. The photoelectric effect is the basis of the photocell, 
and as seen in the diagram, in which you have an evacuated chamber, radiant energy hitting the metal surface, electron striking the positive terminal, and it's picked up by a voltage source that has an indicator to it. Now, spectra. A continuous spectrum is produced, for example, with visible light through the use of a prism. When light passes through a slit and then goes through a prism, we see a spectrum, a continuous spectrum of light. So, a spectrum produced when radiation from such sources is separated into different into its different wavelength components. A line spectrum is a spectrum containing radiation of only specific wavelengths. A continuous spectrum contains light of all wavelengths. A line spectrum is a spectrum containing radiation of only specific wavelengths. A continuous spectrum contains light of all wavelengths. So let's talk about the Bohr model. The Bohr model was based on three postulates. Only orbits of certain radii corresponding to certain definite energies are permitted for the electron in a hydrogen atom. Two, an electron in a permitted orbit has specific energy and is in an allowed energy state. An electron in an allowed energy state will not radiate energy and therefore will not spiral into the nucleus. This is classical, of course. Energy is emitted or absorbed by the electron only as the electron changes from one allowed energy state to another. This energy is emitted or absorbed as a photon, E equals H nu. And these, this would be a good point to practice quick equations on Rydberg's equation. And here we see an example of Rydberg's equation. 1 over lambda equals R, which is Rydberg's constant, over 1 over the final uh, quantized state of the electron minus 1 over the initial quantized state. And for all those quantized states, which are represented by n, they are squared. However, there are limitations, and this points to the idea that science is an iterative process in which you have theories that are constantly evolving. Some remain, and then you just add things to them. Some evolve, and they change um, from their fundamental from the fundamental ideas. So the Bohr model has limitations. It only explains the line spectrum of the hydrogen atom well. And it avoids the problem of a negatively charged electron falling into the nucleus. So we, we move towards that, and we're moving towards the wave behavior of matter. De Broglie further extended the ideas of Bohr. He postulated about matter's properties if radiant energy could behave in a particle like way under appropriate conditions. Could the electron be thought of as having wave like and particle like properties? So yes, this is a good point to practice the Broglie's. Uh, this is a good point to practice questions on the Broglie's equation. So let's go on to the other segment of the lecture.
So as we progress, we're going to go back over these big ideas. We'll go back over these big ideas, and then we're going to proceed forward with the lecture on uh, quantum chemistry, basics of quantum chemistry. And that falls in line with the wave particle duality. So I'm presenting these ideas in two different formats to reinforce the concepts. So let's go back over our big ideas. All matter is made of atoms, which can be understood with their subatomic particles. That's one. Two, chemical reactions involved in the rearrangement of matter and the atoms that make up the matter, make up that matter, rather. Three, each chemical reaction. Let me view full screen mode. There we go. Each chemical reaction is dependent on rate, equilibrium, atom proximity, and orientation. Four, forces either intramolecular, so bonding, or intermolecular, explain the properties of the substance. Five, equilibrium, rate, atom proximity, and molecular orientation in a chemical reaction are mathematically related. So, let's just picture this. Picture this. There are these superheroes who are going to teach us about chemistry. And they will be introducing us to some of the scientists who are on vacation in the Bahamas. So let's just make this story more relevant. They're on vacation in, on vacation in Greater Nagua. So, and here you will meet Albert Einstein, Niels Bohr, Louis de Broglie, Max Planck, Werner Heisenberg, Paul Dirac, and Erwin Schrodinger. So the name of the scientists in science history are Albert Einstein, Niels Bohr, Louis de Broglie, Max Planck, Werner Heisenberg, Paul Dirac and Erwin Schrödinger. These scientists made tremendous contributions to physical chemistry and physics, specifically quantum physics. From Einstein's theory of relativity, um, which also has some Newtonian basis, and or it started ideas, or some of the ideas were Newtonian, and the study of the, study of the photoelectric effect to Heisenberg's uncertainty principle. All these ideas are useful in science today. So, so it's important for us to remember, important for us to remember some key ideas. However, before we progress any further, I want you to take some time, do a little bit of research, pause the video, do a little bit of research and study what these scientists did, it's easy to go on their Wikipedia page and check them out. These are very useful people to know about. So yeah, it'll be good. This is a good point to pause the video and to check out some of the leading scientists. But let's keep going. Assuming that you did do that. Let's keep going. Quantum mechanics describes the behavior of electrons in atoms. It gives us information to transcribe the electron configuration with the periodic table as an eight. Erwin Schrödinger was a Nobel Prize winning Austrian Irish physicist who worked on developing key ideas in quantum theory. His equation allows for the calculation of wave functions of a system, of the wave functions of a system, as well as dynamic changes in time. When Schrödinger first came up with his equation, it worked well for hydrogen atoms, given that there was not that much computational power at that time. As computational power increased and improved, um, people really were able to see the prowess and the utility of Schrodinger's equation for 
a lot or all atoms. So, Erwin Schrödinger spent most of his life as an academic, winning the Nobel Prize in Physics in 1933, along with Paul Dirac. It said that he was a chair, he was chair of the theoretical physics department at the University of Litzbig um, at 25. That's one thing to note. Um, very young academic and very successful in his career. Um, Schrödinger's wave equation discovery in 1926, wave equation, wave equation discovery occurred in 1926, and it came about from being convinced that atomic spectra should be derived from eigenvalue problems. So here is an example of the non-relativistic version of the Schrodinger's equation. H bar, d partial over partial t, SSI over partial t in, with respect or in terms of position and time, h bar squared over 2m, uh, partial squared over partial x squared plus v in respect to position and time multiplied by psi respect to position and time. So that's an example of the non-relativistic version of the Schrodinger's equation. We don't need to use this equation or know this equation. This is just for you to know, be exposed to it, to see it, to see what this equation is that we find so useful today. Um, the equation provides insights into the energy states of the electrons known as eigenstates. So Schrodinger's equation. Schrodinger's equation results in many solutions and each wave function has a corresponding orbital associated with it. The orbital and the respective electrons are specified by four quantum numbers. N, which is the principal quantum number, L, which is the angular quantum number, M sub L, which is the magnetic quantum number, and M sub S, which is the spin quantum number. H psi is equal to E psi, otherwise known as Schrodinger's equation, is typically solved with a hydrogen atom. H, which is the Hamiltonian, um, times psi. Okay, so let's keep going. The principal quantum number is an integer value that describes the overall size and energy of an orbital. The energy associated with the orbital is negative because the electron's energy is lowered by a columbic interactions with the nucleus. Also, n, n is the principal quantum number, L is the angular quantum number, m sub L is the magnetic quantum number, m sub s is a spin quantum number. It's important to remember that orbitals have higher energy values and higher integer values rather for the principal quantum number. Orbitals that have higher integer values for the principal quantum number have energies that are less negative. Moreover, as the principal quantum number increases, energy changes between the subsequent energy levels typically is less. So the angular quantum number or azimuthal quantum number gives us an idea of the angular momentum of the orbital and an understanding of the shape of the orbital. Yeah, it is almost as if it provides a 3D understanding of the probability distribution for the electrons in a particular atom. It can range from zero up to n minus one. The angular momentum quantum number is an integer that describes the shape of the orbital values, shape of the orbital, and those values include 0 up to n minus 1. L equals 0 is equivalent to S, L equals 1 represents P, L equals 2 can be designated as D, 
and L equals 3 can be designated as F, where S, P, D, and F are those orbitals that we're referring to. Those names, those letters actually come from the description sharp, principal diffuse, and F sharp, principal, diffuse, and fundamental. So these are some ideas that I want you to keep in mind. I'm not going to be labeling this lecture a little uh, too long today, but these are some of the ideas I want you to keep in mind as we progress um, throughout the semester. Um, I will discuss further ideas or more ideas later on. However, these are the ideas I want you to keep in mind. Make sure you're practicing questions. Make sure you are getting uh, your time in your practice because it will be useful and it's very important. Thank you again. Good luck with the semester.